All right. Welcome, everybody. This Hi. is our first uh, episode of uh, a podcast slash audio recording that Jeff and I are doing, and we are doing it on the I am statements of John. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. So as uh, something to get us going in the beginning of it, I think it's uh, interesting that a lot of people make I am statements all the time. So Muhammad Ali as a boxer said, I am the greatest. And Will Smith had a movie where he said, I am legend. And then uh, an old philosopher Descartes said, I think therefore I am. And so if you were to finish the sentence, I am, what would you say? I have a runner. I am tall. I am intelligent. I am also intelligent, <laughs> I'd like to think. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, what about weird things like I am jello pudding? Ooh, um, I am a door to the bathroom. That's oddly specific. <laughs> So some of these I am statements uh, can, some of them can be made like about a part of you. So like I am a runner and that's part of you. That doesn't give, that doesn't give someone that you say that to an entire context of everything that you are. But you could say things about like that pertain to all of you. Like I am a human. Um, I am alive. I am alive. I am male. Like those things have to do with all of you. Like you can't, you can't take uh, those. You take that away and then you're just done. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're all over. Yeah. So those are statements. So those are like uh, serious statements about things that we are. Now, what if we started making kind of funny things to say, kind of like we did before? Uh, I am cheesecake, or I am a door to the bathroom, <laughs> or I am pudding. You know, <laughs> what about what about concepts like loneliness? Like I am loneliness. So those may be awkward uh, and not really like you wouldn't really understand what we were talking about if you said something like that. But let's say for the sake of argument, uh, you were telling the truth. And every time someone says, uh, I am cheesecake, then every time someone ate cheesecake, like you would be involved somehow. And then if you died, there would be no more cheesecake because cheesecake would be wrapped up in you and then you'd be gone. We need to keep you safe. Right, <laughs> we, we need to make sure that cheesecake is always here. Um, and then according to like the second phrase, like I am loneliness, uh, you could mean something like loneliness is so connected to me that wherever I go and whatever I do, I am always lonely. So that would fit in well if you were to make that I am statement. That's intense though. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think there's, I think even a lot of people will I think a lot of people could identify with um, I'm always a happy person or I'm always project oriented or yeah you know what I mean yeah what if somebody says something like I am truth ooh 
something outrageous like that. I think. Do you think anybody made a claim like that? I think someone has. I think absolutely someone yeah. has done that. Yeah. So, so since we're going through these I am statements, I looked up the word uh, am in the dictionary, and it actually defines it to be the word be, as in being, and that's to have an objective existence um, or to have reality or actuality. Yeah. Um, so, do you can you talk to us about Jeff? Can you talk to us about uh, just the concept of being? Maybe. I mean, kind of the if we're going to dive into the the Bible, I mean, the context for where Jesus kind of is where we're alluding to these I am statements where he makes bold claims like I am truth. Um, he's He's, he's a part of a certain world. He was a part of a Greco-Roman world, and there was thought. Um, and this is kind of a quick crash course, but for Greco-Roman philosophy, um, and just kind of philosophy in general, the study of being or existence is called ontology. Um, and early guys, uh, the pre-Socratic guys, like Heraclitus talked about being in existence was tied to you know something exists because it changes. Um, the world that we see is always changing and in flux. Um, so that was the observation of something exists if it's changing. So and does it, that include things like fire? Like where it starts small but then it gets bigger? Like they would consider that... Yeah, like I mean that the, everything that they observed within our observable world changes. I mean that was something very early on to have noticed like stuff just changes. Okay. And that's how we know stuff exists is like yeah, it's it's I see it and it's just changing. And okay. so they kind of got equated in their mind. So yeah, fire would be uh, Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and then you got guys like Plato that comes along with his idea of, of the forms. Um, and his, he had kind of two different worlds. And this is where like his allegory of the cave comes into play, uh, where there's a guy who's trapped in a cave and he sees uh, a projection on a wall of like shadows, which world is the real world or which ones that really exist and so for him he divided it up like there's kind of our world our observable world that's always changing and in flux but then there's like another better world um that's the the realm of the forms where there's like perfection where it's not changing um, there's the perfect. You you there's the perfect get, pin. You can't get any better than the perfect. The perfect pin in this other other world, okay. and so that's attached to. Um, that's how we know things exist. Is because well, there's in this other unseeable world, there's perfection. Okay. Um, and that kind of helps with because it got equated then that something that's changing is not good per se even if maybe quote unquote exist uh, things really exist because 
it's in this other realm and this other world of okay. perfection. Okay, um, so we have a world of flux, which would be our world where <clears throat> rivers flow and we as people move and animals, you know, exist and things like that. So there's there's the world that we can physically touch. Right. And so there's the world of flux and change, and then there's the world of forms that maybe we're striving toward. Yes. Okay. And that's something that develops more like with later guys like Aristotle, where he's kind of combines both worlds together, and he kind of takes, like he's trying to unify them, but he's also, things exist because they're attached to this other this realm of the forms and there's perfection in that world but he's wants to also make a comment that being in existence there can be uh, like a human being exists just because it exists but also part of a human being's existence is what he'd kind of divide up in like different categories of like a human being can be intelligent or tall or like there's these almost like attributes um, of somebody's existence and so and that kind of helps he kind of attached things too of like even though this world is always in flux and changing and it really exists because there's this other reality that's never changing you're moving towards that other reality okay so it's a so it's a journey yeah it's a journey right okay yeah. okay so that's that's a kind of a crash course in Greco-Roman philosophy. Okay. <laughs> so how did Jesus maybe maybe how did Jesus view it or how did God view it when God was the first one to say in Exodus when Moses asked, Who am I supposed to say that is sending me to free these yeah. people? Like what did, what did God mean by saying, I am, and what did Jesus mean by saying, I am? Yeah. Um, I mean, even, like, although Jews were, like, intertestamental Jews and Jews around the time of Jesus, they were byproducts. They lived in the Greco-Roman world, and so there's some aspects that they kind of co-opted from Greco-Roman philosophy, but it was more, their concept of existence was taken with the, with, the, with the Bible, with the Old Testament. And the passage you alluded to with Exodus, it's, uh, I would say their concept of existence goes back even more so of like God's the one that was there in the beginning and is one that has always existed. And then he gifts existence. Okay. And not only gifts it, but he also were created in his image. And so... Uh, he's always been and always will be. We're created and in his image and we exist because he exists, but then at the same time, we live forever. Because, like, that's part of being made in his image too, do you, even though we're created. Do you think they had the concept of striving toward or moving toward where... Plato talked about a world of form and a world of flux. Do you think the, do you think the Jews, when they were listening to Jesus's "I am" statements, do you think they had the concept of 
<clears throat> I am me, but I'm also trying to move into something like maybe they wanted to move into what God wanted them to be or what God commanded them to do. Yeah, I think there is a, but it's more of, it's not like a, a nebulous, like out there concept that they're uh, like this shadowy kind of almost like not really fully knowing what it is, like moving towards something that was attached to a God that's always existed and he loves people and loves the world that he made. And so there's that, it was more of attached to, we're moving towards something because God loves us. And that's the, um, that's kind of the rationale of like part of the journey. Okay. Like, and you're moving towards some sort of completeness or wholeness is because you were made and loved by God. And then he's, that's not going away. And so okay. your the journey is because God loves you and is mo- like and is moving you into being a more complete whole okay. being. Cool. Yeah. Alright, so so what we're what we're trying to get across here in this first session is just understanding that the Gospel of John is <clears throat> there's a lot of different uh Uh, aspects of the Gospel of John and I mean how it was written and the words that it used and the main point Um, and so we're just gonna focus on one simple aspect on that and that's exploring the gospel in light of the seven I am dot 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 statements so there are also in John there's a bunch of I am statements where Jesus just says I am and then stops there so they're asking like who you know who's who who is Jesus of Nazareth and you know we we want to find Jesus of Nazareth who who is he and Jesus when he's talking to the guards that are asking him in the garden of Gethsemane he says I am and then they all fall back he's not stating anything about like he's not giving any direction on who he is he's just saying this is me I'm it but John is He's not just doing this flippantly, right? He's not just saying, oh, this is a, a phrase that I'm going to use. Right. right. Yeah, he's not using... Well, you also have to kind of understand, like, when you're reading something, you're reading... So Jesus is making those I am statements, and he's making a claim as he's in that moment, in that event he's describing, but also as John is writing this and editorializing things he's making a comment as he's writing it too so there's kind of two different levels like if you're reading it like and unpacking like what's right what's being said so jesus is making a statement and john is also making a statement yeah in light of what jesus is saying gotcha gotcha okay so the main verse in john if you uh if you have a bible it's probably a good idea to turn there because there are um actually let me just i'll read the verse to you and then and then I'll say something interesting about that. So the main verse that John uh, wants to get across, like his main point of this whole reason, he actually does it at the end of the book in chapter 20 verse 31. He says, but these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So John has two different, uh, John has two different reasons for making this his main purpose. One is to believe, and the other one is to have life, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting about the book of John is that if you read it, and I believe I did my own research and I came up with 85, uh, and if you talk to someone else, you'll actually see that there are, uh, that there might be like 95 times that this book uses the word believe. So it's obviously a very... Yeah, he likes that word. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty important to yeah. him. <clears throat> and then the other thing is if you look in the book, you, um, I, didn't, I didn't find out the specific number, but he talks about life, he talks about eternal life, he talks about having life, um, and so those are, I mean, it's just riddled throughout the entire book. Yeah. Um, so two of the things that we, uh, that we wanted to make sure before we move on in this study is that we could, we could talk about believing and we could talk about having life um, and we could also do a whole uh, series, which we may do later, but the prerequisites of the presumptions that we're having before we start this is we assume that you, uh, the listener, we assume that you want a good life. And we could talk about what good means and we could go through biblical references, but basically we just want to get to the point where we both and we all agree that we want a life of good things. We want good relationships. We want good blessings. We want good wisdom and knowledge and we want good instruction, etc. So we're assuming that we want good things. And not only that, that we want them, but we're also assuming that you're wanting to search for these good things, that you're curious about, well, how do I, how do I define like what good is and a good life and how to obtain it? So one is that you do want it. And then the other one is that you are trying to move toward that. Yeah. And that what Jesus offers is the eternal life being in existence is plausible and compelling that it's something attractive and makes sense to you of like what he is and what he's about and what like as we'll unpack like with I am statements like that all of that will you'll do what John is asking us to do where you'll find yeah like I do believe he's the son of God and gives eternal life okay so yeah. so there are seven I am statements what are those um, bread of life, light of the world, gate for the sheep, good shepherd, resurrection in the life, way, truth in the life, the true vine. And then, like you said earlier, too, there's some I am statements where he just simply says, I, before Abraham was, I am. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, real, real quick, is there a reason for the number seven? Like seven seems to be a recurring theme in the Bible. Like what, why would John choose seven I am statements? It's one of those numbers in the Bible, just like 40 is an important number, seven, three. Like there's just kind of some important numbers that if you read through your Bibles, it's just... Is there a meaning behind the number seven? <clears throat> like I mean, there's seven days in our week. Um, I mean, it's a biggie. There's a lot of stuff just, you'll just notice throughout. There's just, it's a completeness okay. a lot of the time. 
So like at the it's end kind of, of a seven nice round day, number, yeah. at the end of seven days, things are complete. So maybe yeah. John's speaking to the fact that these seven statements are like can be a complete representation of Jesus, or at least give us a good, healthy foundation for being an, a good, complete understanding of Jesus. Yeah, it's kind of like, like I guess in music, sometimes like you return to the root note and it just sounds complete. Okay, it's probably something similar to if. You're an ancient reader. You're probably feeling the same way. Of it just kind of rounds out the okay. teaching. So, real, and we're we're getting ready to wrap up here. But what does Jesus making these I am statements? What does that have to do with my life? Like, how is that going to impact my life? If Jesus said, "I am the bread of life," what does that mean for me? Yeah, I mean, if as we've talked about earlier, as as the Bible that Jesus was, uh, like the story that he was moving forward um, from the Old Testament and set up in the Old Testament of there's a God who's always existed, who is or has been, is and always will be, and he made us and he loves us. And so he's gifted us existence and being. And so he's going to have something to say of like what, um, what, because you're talking about what the good life is or what's good, like having things be whole and complete relationships-wise within your life. Yeah. So maybe he's saying, I am good in all of these statements, and if you want to search for a good life, then you'll see me as good and you'll come to me. Right, and Jesus is that, as we're going to see, when he's making these I am statements, he's making the claim that I am so this God that's always existed and all, and always will exist, I am that God. That's like a he's, pretty big claim. It's a pretty big claim. <laughs> and he's also a fuller revelation of, he's the full revelation of who this God is, not just of Israel, but of the whole world. And so... That's a he, huge claim. Yeah, it's a huge claim. Like, And so he's rounding out like what this full... He's going beyond of like, hey, like I don't just exist. I want to tell you more about who... This God is okay. Like beyond just, I've been there in the beginning. I'm the bread of life. Like, well, what is life? Let's get a full picture of what awesome what that is. Or I'm the light, and He's setting all those things up too. If you read your first couple pages of John, He's talking about light and life, truth. He's kind of setting up a lot of these words that you'll see when He's making those I am statements. He's already kind of setting us up. Cool. In the first couple pages. Excited to dive in for sure. Yeah. So, so as we're wrapping up now, I want you to think about this till next time. Uh, so I want you to finish these statements, uh, these two statements, and kind of see how they fit into your own life and how you uh, how you view them and how they impact you. So I want you to finish the statement, "I am." You know, what what are you, and what defines you, and what things are important to you and what do you revolve around and then i want you to think about right now you know jesus is and i want you to think of when you think of jesus and maybe his impact in your life his impact in your parents life or his impact in your friends's life like jesus is this and like how has he revealed himself to you now Uh, so when you think about these you think think about them in realistic terms like i am young um, you know, or maybe even think in poetic terms, like I am a moonbeam, you know, something that 
doesn't really make sense, but maybe if you break it down a little bit, it'll, you it'll make sense. think about it enough. Yeah, you think it about it enough. It still doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, and then what about something like completely <laughs> ridiculous, like that no one would say, like I'm an unplanted carrot, you know, has no meaning whatsoever, uh, but maybe it means something to you. Just think about how the way that you finish these statements about you and about Jesus how they affect your life and the lives around you, um, if you say them or if you chose to say them. But um, I want you to do that exercise and then we'll be back later. Yeah. We'll dive into the seven I am statements. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>